Well, turn your Bibles this morning. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. And as you're making your way there, I want to show a little video clip to set the message up. We're talking about disappointment, and I think you'll get something out of this. Hey, it's bad when Santa says no. I mean, you got mom, teacher, and Santa all saying no. How many know that child is set up for disappointment? I'm familiar with Christmas disappointment. I'll tell you, my mother can verify this story I'm going to tell you. When I was a child, there were three little Millers in the household, and there was one Christmas we had not been good boys and girls, and mother had threatened us all throughout the month of December that we'd better be nice or Santa was not coming to see us. And when the little Millers jumped out of bed to come to see what Santa had brought, we found three bundles of switches with a bright red bow. True story. So anything wrong with me, you can blame on that day with my mom. Have mom wave at everybody today. I'm telling the truth. She won't even wave her hand there. But Santa did come and leave them in the closet. So all was not lost in the Miller household. Now that's funny. And the Red Rider BB gun is funny. But how many know when disappointment comes in real life, it's not so funny? When things, listen, and Christmas is the worst in some respects. How many know we all know the way we want life to be? And when it's not that away, disappointment just kind of is there. We all know the way life should be. And when it doesn't happen or work out. Listen, Christmas is filled with expectations. Everybody expects a gift. Now listen, you may be a wise, saintly, godly person and someone may say, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I don't need a thing. But in the back of your mind, well, probably in the forefront of your mind, you're thinking, I sure hope they get something. Come on, everybody's head. Yeah, listen, I, we want family to behave at Christmas. We, we, we want there to be love around the table. We want people to be get along. And how many know if they don't get along or if somebody's not there or somebody doesn't show up? I mean, no disappointment can come in lots and lots and lots of different ways. But for Christians, it can be especially difficult because oftentimes the things that could disappoint us, God's in the mix. In other words, we've prayed about it. We've got a scripture. We're believing it. And how many know when God lets you down, that's, that's a lot worse than a Red Ryder BB gun. It's difficult to cope with. And, and I want to address this subject uh, this morning, disappointment, being down, sad, unhappy. And I'm going to illustrate it. I've got a helper up here who's going to help me. Willie's going to help me with a pair of boots. And I want you, are you familiar with the term gumbo mud? Know what that is? Well, gumbo mud, go ahead here, helper. Gumbo mud is mud that when you step in it, it doesn't just like, you know, slop off of your feet. You know, some of you that don't know what mud is like, you think mud is like getting your tennis shoe dirty. No, I'm talking about you step in mud, and the more you step in it, it just keeps attracting itself. It's like it's just adding every, every step you take. These are your boots? They're my boots. They're huge. <laughs> so you're saying I have big feet? Yeah, well, I mean... Big feet and a bald head. Thank you, Willie. You would have fit real well. They now, don't smell that good either. They don't smell good. Do we have another volunteer out there? Could somebody else? All right, well, anyway, I want you to think with me now. We're kind of laughing here, but I want you to think about these boots. You're going outside, but let's say you're living the game of life. And let's say you're a student in school and, you know, the grade didn't turn out like you wanted it to be again. And uh, your folks have tied some Christmas to your grades. Or let's say that, uh, uh, let's say your friends are having a big party and you didn't get asked to that. And uh, let's say, let's say you had an expectation, let's say at work, you had a big sale that you were hoping to close and uh, it was between you and somebody else and they got it and you didn't. How many know life just kind of adds this gunky mud to it? 
Yeah, it is heavy. This is the third time you've done this. You know, I could put a little bit right there on you. But, but life is like that. Now, if you're hunting and your moot, boot, boots get muddy, you know, you just kind of want to just, just do that and just kind of kick that, kick that mud off of them. But how many know in life it's not always that easy? You know, when you're do, done hunting, you, you go up to, you know, a water hydrant, turn the hose on, you can wash them off. But in real life, it doesn't wash off that easy. In real life, the mud just tends to hang on you. You know, and if you're not careful, dis- disappointment can turn into discouragement pretty quick, and discouragement can turn into depression. And how many know if you get depressed, you've got a real problem going on in life? So let's, thank you, let's, let's, let's talk about this this morning just a little bit, this idea of disappointment. Again, as I said, disappointment, if it, if it turns into particularly depression, problems are really tough in your life. I mean... And it's difficult for a Christian to lay hold of this because here's what goes on in our mind as we understand life. First of all, the Bible clearly teaches us God is a good God. How many know that? God's a good God. He's an all-powerful God. But then we remember the scriptures that, the scripture that says the rain falls on the just and unjust, which is a way of saying, you know, life happens to all people. And even if you're a Christian, that doesn't exempt you from some of the challenges and difficulties of life. And then we know that there's someone in the world called the devil who came to steal, kill, and destroy. So God is a good God, but rain is falling that I don't want to fall, and the devil sometimes get in. Well, the bottom line, it becomes a recipe for disappointment. And this morning, we want to look together. The scripture, Proverbs 15, 13, that sets the, that sets the, the context for us, it says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. But then it says, heartache crushes the spirit. Heartache crushes the spirit. Now, it could have been the little boy and his BB gun, but I want to tell you, it could be, it could be a, a, a loss of anything. You know, you might have had a loved one, and they're in the hospital. You prayed they'd get better, and they died. I mean, no, that's a, that's a problem. Uh, disappointment comes to us. Things crush us. And it's not just the things that would crush everybody. How many know things may bother you that doesn't bother anybody else? And you may pray about it, you may seek God about it. I had something happen to me a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because I promise 90% of you would laugh at this little thing. But, but, but it was important to me, and I thought God was going to do something, and he didn't. And I found myself just kind of swimming in this little funk for a while. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? And it just sneaks up on you. And if you told someone what you, were, what you were disappointed about, they would say, oh, you're stupid, just get over it. Or they would laugh at you or, or whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you, how many know if it's real to you, it's, it's real in your world? Well, you know, the Bible speaks to us about this issue. And I'm going to call it muddy boots this morning. And I want you to think of life, going through life and disappointments being like mud. And the challenge is how in the world to get that mud off your boots so you can keep going. Because if you're not careful, if you face a disappointment, particularly if it's a God disappointment, you run the potential of just stopping in your tracks spiritually. It's like, it's like all of a sudden everything stops if you can't reconcile where God is and, 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 and what God's doing in the midst of the difficulty. So let's look in the Bible. Exodus chapter 23 is where we're going to start. Exodus 23, and I want to give you three things this morning that's very practical, very biblical, that will help you deal with this challenge. I wish I could tell you that disappointment will go away like a Tylenol and a headache. But how many know sometimes two Tylenol are not enough and three won't even do it and you're scared to take any more, but you've still got a headache? Listen, whether disappointment is short-lived or whether it lasts a while, it has the potential to, to literally ruin your life. But yet the Bible shows us not only how to do it, but examples of people who handled it and they get through to the other side. So let's look at the first one, Exodus 23. And I'm going to begin with this simple word is the word rest. The word rest. You know, it's hard to cope with disappointment 
when you're tired and stressed. Let me say it again. It's hard to cope with disappointment if you're tired. And it doesn't take much more stress to just kind of shut you down and shut you off in life. And we live in a world today that does everything in its power to keep us from being rested. Look in the Bible, Exodus 23, 12. Uh, Moses is rehearsing with the Israelites God's word here. It harkens back to Genesis and creation. Moses said, you should work six days a week, but on the seventh day you must rest. It's the picture of the Sabbath. This lets you, your ox, and your donkey rest. It also lets the slave born in your house, again, this was ancient Israel, and the foreigner be what? What's the word? Refreshed. So this word refreshed, it simply means get your strength back, to get your energy back, to get your creativity back, to get your productivity back. You know, some people are just really on the creative edge, and I mean, it just bubbles out of them. You know, I've got a little bit, but I find that if I'm not rested, I'm just not fresh. I'm not creative. But when I get myself rested, when I say rest, I'm talking about a good night's sleep. I'm talking about some time off. It could be an extended time off. I'm learning about a sabbatical where you can literally have an opportunity to take up an extended time off to be able to rest and refocus on your life. Because I guarantee you, most of us in this room today are surviving rather than taking high ground. Uh, well, the world does everything it can. Listen, uh, Exodus back to chapter 31, verse 17, again, this Sabbath day of rest. It says, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. Now, I, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't compute in my mind. You know, w was God tired? I, I don't know. But he had created everything. We said, you know, the Bible says that God spoke the worlds into existence. And if you know anything about astronomy, I know just a little, but they say there are billions of stars in our universe, and there are billions of universes. And the more the telescope, the more powerful the telescope is, the further out it sees. The more powerful the microscope is, the more that it sees the intricacies of God's creation. It all started with God speaking a word. And God created uh, the creation, the world that we see, the stars, the moon. God created plants. He created animals. He created the flowers. It's amazing how that seed that's in the ground will know to stay in the ground until next spring, until the weather begins to warm up. Come on. If the seed is too deep, it won't come up. But if the seed is just the right temperature, how does that seed know? Well, it doesn't know like we do, but it's been pre-programmed by its creator. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad we didn't evolve from primaloos and monkeys and all that silliness? Aren't you glad, listen, that there's a hope that's anchored in a real God that's the creator of the world? But the Bible says even God rested on the seventh day. Now, I want to tell you, friends, if God saw the value of rest, how many know we need it as well? We, we need it. God didn't design us to work like a machine that goes 24-7. Let me say it again. God did not design you like the tire machines at Cooper. That If they're having three shifts, they're going 24-7. I mean, they never stop except to get a little oil, to get a little grease, to get a little maintenance. God did not design you to live that way. Uh, uh, every one of us needs to find the rhythm of work and rest, of work and sleep, of work and time off. Because if you don't do it, listen, if you take it home with you, and I guarantee you, most of us in the working world, you don't work. You can't remember the last time you worked 40 hours. Your 40 hours is 45, 50, sometimes 60 hours. And then you come home, come on, and your second job is your children and your family. Come on, and then somewhere in there you have a church job, you're serving the Lord. And before you know it, you're just going nonstop. Let me tell you, God did not create us to live that way. 
He didn't create us to live that way. And, and, and the more tired you are, the harder it is to get rid of the mud on your boots. The tireder you are, the more stressed you are, the more difficult it is to just reach down and kick the mud off your feet. Listen, you know this. America is a stressful place. It is stressful to live in America. Stressful. Our to-do lists are getting longer. Longer and longer. And I, I bet if you're like me, most of it doesn't get done. And if you're a task-oriented person, that makes you feel worse. So you work a little harder, get up a little earlier, stay up a little bit later just to get ahead in life. Listen, you're not doing this just because you're some materialistic thing that wants as much money as you can. You're just trying to survive. But I'm telling you, somehow in this world, you've got to get the rhythm of rest or you're not going to get the disappointment, mud of disappointment off your feet. You know, and technology does not help us. I mean, I, I use my phone. Now, listen, I like my phone. How many like your phone there? I mean, it's kind of revolutionary, isn't it? I use my phone as, as an alarm. Now, I remember when the first one came out. I've got an iPhone, and uh, my son got his, and, and he was at the house, and I, I said, uh, he was sleeping on the couch that day, and we had friends over, and I said, well, aren't you going to get up for whatever it was? And he said, oh, yeah, my phone will wake me up. And I said, what do you mean your phone will wake you up? Well, sooner or later, I evolved into the, into the current century, and now I use my alarm clock on my phone. But here's my problem. I'm sleep, trying to get some sleep. I'm tired, and my phone dings me throughout the night when I get a text message. And it could be your kids. Come on. But now my phone also dings me when Facebook responds and somebody happens to say howdy but it could be somebody that I don't even know it's a friend I think uh, it says Facebook is added so-and-so is a friend of you and I think who is that and how did they know to do that but it's weep keeping me awake at night and I don't have the time or I don't even hadn't figured it out yet and I hadn't caught up with Pastor Nick to say fix my problem what does that do it adds to the level of stress and I'm telling you somehow in this silly crazy world You've got to find the re to let the rhythm of, of work and rest work in your life. Because if you don't, it'll shorten your life. And if it doesn't shorten your life, it's going to reduce the effectiveness of what you do and what you have to do. But God's prescription, friends, one of his first prescriptions is for dealing with disappointment is to make sure that you are rested and able to deal with it. Because here's what I know. Most of my disappointment has a person involved in it. And depending on your personality, you're either in the attack mode and you're going after them. How many know that's not going to turn out well? Did you see on the front page of our paper today, someone killed, you know, a son killed a stepdad. They didn't, didn't release details or names, but you know, apparently he was shot, didn't know what. I want to tell you, something got out of hand. And disappointment probably stayed on the, that family's boots, the mud, for a long, long time. And finally, somebody pulled out a weapon and, and, and it was not good. So however you respond to people, if you attack them or if you withdraw, how many know sooner or later you're in a ditch and it's not good? But rest will help you. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Here's the second thing, is that we need to make a fresh connection with God. Now, I don't mean you need to become a Christian, but I need, mean you need to make a fresh connection. God needs to, God needs to invade your world. I mean, no, God has a big hose, and he can wash disappointment off your boots. Now, that's the best way to do it. I mean, you can take a stick, you know, and with your stick, you can, you know, let's say if you're out in the woods hunting or something, and you can't shake it off. Well, you can get a stick, and you can get some of it off. You know, if you're a cowboy, you know what I'm talking about. But if, 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 the best solution is when you get to the house, you take a hose, and you turn that hose on high, and that hose just washes all the mud off. Well, how many know God can do that? 
Now, let's go to a story. First, uh, First Samuel chapter 30, verse 3. David, prior to becoming the king, now this guy has been called by God, set up to literally be the king of Israel, but now Saul is after him. Saul is his predecessor, and Saul's tried to kill him, so he's in the wilderness. He's got a band of people with him, several hundred followers that are with him, and they're living in a town called Ziklag. So David and all the guys had gone out to do a battle, and now when they come home, look at verse 3. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found the town had been burned, and their wives, sons, and daughters had been taken as prisoners. I mean, no, this is not just a BB gun. Imagine everybody you love, gone. Everything you own, gone. No hotel to check into, no hot shower to go get a holiday in, no food to eat, McDonald's is closed so you go to wherever, no, 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 nothing. Everything they have is gone. Well, their response is, verse 6 or 4, David and his army cried loudly until they were too weak to cry anymore. Now, these were real men. These were muscles. I mean, I mean, these were warriors. These were soldiers. I mean, they had beards. I mean, you know, they, I mean, they, they just, you know, they had the full picture. Can you imagine a guy like that crying till he couldn't speak? Have you ever cried so much till you couldn't even have a, a, a make a sound? You were just heaving? Well, that's the level of tears they had because everything in their life was over. Now, listen, they're serving God. God is in their world. Verse 6, the men in the army were threatening to kill David with stones. And the greatest understatement in the Bible, which greatly upset David. So, not only is all my family's gone, everything I own is gone, but, but all my friends don't want to talk to me. In David's case, they want to kill me. There's not anybody I can send a text to, or there's not anybody I can talk to or Facebook to that's going to be nice to me. And how I many know they can be pretty evil on Facebook these days? But there's not a person in my world that's going to be nice. But then, the, but then it shifts. But David found strength in the Lord his God. See, most of the time, our disappointment is determined by our circumstances. Good circumstances, happy. Bad circumstances, unhappy. David, in the middle of it, found God. He made a fresh connection with God in the middle of his troubles. The King James says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because what disappointment does is it sucks the life out of us. It takes our strength. But God has the ability. Listen, if you don't hear another thing today, hear this. God has the ability to give you strength at your weakest moment. God has the ability to chip that mud off your boots, to wash it off. And, but, but he also has the ability to maintain you while you're walking through it. Now, if we were hunting together, let's say we went duck hunting together, and, and we have hiked through the gumbo to get out to the duck blind, and uh, we've got some ducks, we're tired, it's time to go home. Now we're carrying all the stuff back, and one of, one, your partner is just too tired to go any farther. You say, man, look, give me your gun, and I'll carry the decoys, and here, <laughs> take my hand, and I'll pull you out. That is what God will do with you. He will pull you out. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Verse 8, David asked the Lord, should I chase the people who took our families? And the Lord answered, chase them. You'll catch them and you'll succeed in saving your families. And you know the rest of the story. They went up, they went after them, they pursued, they overtook, and they recovered all. Imagine what would have happened, though, how David's story would have turned out if he would have stopped in the midst of disappointment. I'm going to tell you, it didn't get any worse. But here's the deal. He didn't stop in his spiritual progress. And because he kept going forwards, one day this guy would become the king. But if he had stopped and let disappointment paralyze him, 
Make him stay home. Make him wear the same pair of sweats five days in a row. Make him not want to talk to a soul. I mean, you've been there. We've all been there at times in our life. But I'm telling you, if you live there, life stops. And if it goes far enough, before you know it, you're so medicated, you can't do anything in life. And I'm not knocking medication. There's a time for it. Listen, I tell people that are struggling with, with longer-term disappointment, have you had a physical lately? Have you gone to the doctor? I mean, you know, is your thyroid working? Is your iron low? I mean, there's a lot of things that can just make you out of whack. Come on, Paul's traveling companion, Luke, was a doctor. And you don't have to choose God or doctors. How I many know there's a good mix between both and you can live a healthier life? But, but, but listen, and there's times you need some extra help, but listen, you don't want to live that way. God can pull you out. Listen to the scriptures, several, and, and, and let the, you might write these, these verses down because David found strength to overcome to disappointment through God. And if he can, you can too. Listen, the nature of God is to give life. The nature of God is to give courage, to give strength. The nature of God is to give peace. The nature of God is to help you, not to hurt you. Psalm 1611, the psalmist David said, You make known to me the path of life. See, being a Christian is not just a, with a dead book. God can show you how to live your life. God makes known to me the path of life. And listen, in your presence there is... What does that mean? I mean, we know the, the, the theological term omnipresence, which simply means somehow God is everywhere. But then there is the manifest presence of God when God kind of sticks his hand through this veil of time and he intervenes in our lives. Well, guess what? If you're in the presence of God, guess what? Joy can come to your life. And what will joy do? Joy can drive away your sorrow. Joy can help you with your disappointment. Joy is like a water hose in dirty boots. Come on. But it is the presence of the Lord. That is why worship is so important that we engage in worship. You know, that we try to draw in because the Bible says I do, I, we can enter his gates with, yeah, and into his courts with. So thanksgiving and praise become a door to the presence of God. See, and God can, can lighten the load. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. So what does disappointment and discouragement and depression bring? Bondage. But what happens when God comes in your world? Freedom. Now, the circumstances may not have changed yet. You still may be in the gumbo. But how many know when there's fullness of joy and when there's a sense of freedom, you know you're going to get out? See? Uh, Acts 2.28. Now, this is incredible. The New Century Version. Peter said, being with you, God, will fill me with being with you. So, that's the way the Christian life is meant to be. The Christian life is not just believing proper things and having right theology. The Christian life is a relationship with God. See, the old song we used to sing in the church, Methodist church, when I was a boy. I come to the garden alone. He walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. What does that mean? It's the language of relationship. The presence of God. And I'm telling you, if you've got to go see the lawyer, see the doctor, see the banker, whoever, it behooves you to spend a little time in the garden alone with God first. Because in the presence, come on. The problem may not disappear, but the problem will. But the problem solver will help you get to the other side of it. I'm preaching better than about only ten of you are amening me, but that's okay. Let me tell you, God promises to move closer to you 
if you move closer to him. Now, now listen to this. Don't turn me out on this. You may know it this way. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God. and You come closer, God comes closer. Imagine you're standing on this wall over here and imagine God's over here. You know, Actually, God's outside the room. You can't even see him anymore. But you know he's over there. The Bible says if you will begin to draw nearer to God, if God's outside the door, so to speak, he'll come in the door. Now, how in the world do you do that? It could be as simple as just opening your Bible. It could be. It could be. I read the Bible every day of my life. I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you what, it helps me. You know, I was running a little late this morning, and the elders came in the office to pray, and they said, well, you're getting ready, cramming for the message? No, I'm just reading Romans. I need a little something for me before I go out today. See, it could be that simple. It could be as simple as coming to the altar for prayer. I can guarantee you at least three times as many people that came to the altar for prayer wanted to come. But something keeps us back. Usually for me, it's pride. I'll just be honest. If I'm somewhere and I need something, come on, I don't want, what will people think about me? Come on, who gives a hoot nanny what people think about you? I, 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 I mean, listen. What? You think they're going to be with you when you leave this place? They didn't even buy you a cup of coffee this morning. They didn't even give you a free cup of coffee this morning. And you care about what they think? It could be that simple. It might take a little more, though. God might call you on a fast. He might want you to change your schedule. Listen, if I was going this way and it was getting worse, I'd make some changes in my life. I would stop going to bed with David Letterman. Or who the other crazy guy, Conan? Look, I've looked at them before, but they do not help me. Come on. They don't help me. Make some change in your life. You know, make some change in your life. Get desperate. Turn off whatever you rock and roll to on the radio on your way to work and just be quiet with God. And maybe let some praise come out of your own lips and let it be a melody coming up to God. I mean, golly. You, you want to connect with God, draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. If you've got mud on your boots, doesn't it make sense to find a way to get it off? And I'm telling you, God's promised you, not the preacher. There's fullness of joy in His presence. There's freedom, come on, in His presence. The closer you get, come on, the closer He'll be to you. And I'm telling you, you get to the other side. That's the way it works. But listen, how many know from experience, you can be, you can be casual in your pursuit of God or you can be real deliberate? Let me read you a scripture. What a great promise here. It's in Jeremiah, and I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but it's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's from the Message Translation. And it says this. This is interesting. I know what I'm doing. This is God. We could go home right now. I know what I'm doing. Point your finger at your neighbor and say, God knows what he's doing in your life. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you future you hope for. When you call on me, you will come and pray to me. I'm going to listen. Now listen to the verse. When you come looking for me, you're going to find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, you won't be disappointed. But I'm telling you, if you're just playing the game with God help me and seeing what David has to say late at night, you may not find him. I don't when I'm in that mode. I'm going to leave that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You know, God has a way of allowing life to get enough mud to get on your boots that he'll get our attention. 
In case you hadn't, in case you've forgotten this, in the midst of all the ho, 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 the world is still in major trouble. Our nation is borrowing and printing money. We just invented $700 billion to throw at Europe. Come on. Our unemployment, don't you believe the 8.6? It's like 18% people. They had 300,000 people quit looking for work last month. It's an illusion. It's a bubble we're living in. It's like somebody just increasing your credit card limit and you think your life is doing well. And, and listen, Israel is not going to let Iran get a nuclear weapon and 40% of the world's oil goes right by Iran. Listen, they said they're going to bomb this. And I'm telling you, man, our world could explode just like that. The euro is collapsing. The euro zone. All those things that are going on in the world. Come on. All the terrorists that are homegrown on American soil. Lest we forget sometimes the world is in trouble and God has a way. Come on. I would rather walk close with God before the crisis than have the crisis get me back. Let me, let me close with a third thing. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So w when you're struggling with disappointment, I wish I could just say, here, take this. Like the doctor writing a prescription. There's not a Tylenol that makes it all go away. See, and particularly the more mud you get. But I'm telling you, rest is valuable. Reconnecting with God. And here's the third one. Connect with the right people. Now, turn me on on this one. Connect with the right people. The right person will make your struggle with disappointment easier. The wrong person will make it harder. The right person. Let's, let's say, here's what the wrong person. Let's say, you know, you're in a mess. And you go out with one of your buds and you talk about how your life is going and how much mud's on your boots. And they say, man, I don't know how you're handling it. Let's go get drunk. How many know somebody that would say that to you? How many wouldn't lift your hand no matter what I said this morning? Is that the right person or the wrong person? That's the wrong person. If you tell that to somebody else, a spirit-filled guy, and you say, what's going on in my life? He'll tell you, man, that's tough, but I want to tell you what God can help you. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. The Spirit of God lives within us, and God, Jesus said he'd never abandon you, never turn his back on you. He's going to be with you, and I'm going to pray and believe God with you that the Spirit of God is going to give you life and strength to face it. Or... And it's gone for a little while, and you wake up in the morning, and it's still there. The right person. Now, get serious with me just a second. Let's say there's an unwanted pregnancy. How many know that'll put mud on your boots in a hurry? And you go to the wrong person, here's the advice you're going to get. Listen, I've had three or four abortions already. It's okay, you know. I'll show you how to get it paid for, and uh, you won't have to worry about it. Come on, let me take you. That's the wrong person. The right person will say, Wow. Well, look, guess what? God loves you, and God's going to love that baby. And I'm going to help you. Let's go down to the church, and I want to introduce you to some people that will love you no matter what you've done. Somebody that will help you, not judge you and not beat you up. Now, I want to tell you, the right person leads you in the right direction. And then one day down the road, you look, and there's joy on Christmas morning rather than this empty spot. I'm telling you. How many know the wrong person can be coming through the voice of a teacher at school? It can be coming through the news media. It can be coming through a sitcom. I want to tell you, the wrong voices will corrupt you and send you in the wrong direction. They'll put more mud on your feet. They won't help solve the problem. They'll make the problem worse. They'll kick the can down the road, you know, so to speak. But listen to what the Bible says. Paul, even Paul, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Paul said, in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We face conflict from every direction. Battles on the outside, fears on the inside. He went on to say, we thought it was so bad we were going to die. I want to tell you, this guy's feet were packed with gumbo. But notice what he said. 
But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. God, this wasn't just some, you know, mystical thing, the way he got encouraged. No, God sent the right person in his life, and the right person lifted the load off his feet. The right person said, sit down in this chair and put your foot up in there. I'm fixing to clean your boots off right now. And I want to tell you, the right people can do that. And that's why the Bible, when I'm in a hole, I want the right people. Come on, I want to stick my hand up to the right person. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews not to forsake the assembling together. Don't stop going to church is what it says. But all the more as you see the day of Christ coming, encourage one another. See, that's why we do activities, have small groups, classes, coffee, donuts, all these things to encourage you to make relationships with other people that will be life-giving to you. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Let me close with this verse, Psalm 42. Mind you now, this is David again. Remember the guy, Ziklag? He's, he, he's writing the Bible. Here's what he says. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? This great spiritual man, a man after God's own heart. Why am I so discouraged and why is my heart so sad? But notice the next phrase. I will put my hope in God. He didn't say the circumstances changed. Nothing changed. He just said, in the midst of muddy boots, I'm putting my hope in God. In the midst of all the gumbo, I'm trusting. I will praise Him again. You know the power of praise, the potential of praise can literally change your life when you got mud on your boots? Because if all you're doing is staring at the mud, come on, all you're seeing is the problem. But to praise God may be as simple as, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I trust you can help me. And you could just begin to feel the burden beginning to shift. My Savior and my God, I'm deeply discouraged, deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. So can I leave that with you as a thought this morning? Here's a guy, had mud all over his boots, but he said, I'm going to look to heaven and I'm going to remember God. I'm going to put my trust in you because you won't turn your back on me. Come on, come on, give him a hand this morning. You won't turn your back on me. Kind and a merciful and a loving God. Let's close this way. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet with me? You know, when you get mud on your shoes, get some rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, take some time off and rest. But I'm telling you, friends, reconnect with God and connect with the right people. Here's how we're going to close today. We're going to sing just a couple worship songs because I don't know a better way to connect with God than when worship. You know, I have my own time with God every day, but I'm telling you, I can never duplicate what we do together when we're worshiping together as the body of Christ. And as we begin to worship the Lord, I, I want to make a special opportunity for you. Maybe you're here today, and this has really resonated in your heart, this message. And maybe you want to just take a step to kind of reconnect with God today. You don't have to say a word to anybody, but when we start worshiping the Lord, I want to invite you to just come to the altar, make a step to God towards His presence. It could be that simple for turnaround to begin in your life. Maybe you're not where you need to be in your relationship with God. Maybe, you know, you need to commit your life to Christ. Listen, somebody will help you with that. But as we begin to sing, the main person I want to target today is the person that's sitting here that all message long inside you've been going, man, that's me. I need God to help get the mud off my boots. As we begin to worship, why don't you just make your way to the altar and we're going to worship with you. This saint, Pastor. I run to you. Come on, let us just stand with you today. 
happen. You're just saying, I want to reconnect afresh with God. Come on, slip around and let's worship everybody. Don't worry about who's here and who's not here. Just come and just reach your heart out to God. Come on, everybody, reach out to Him with me. Worship you, Lord. Just come and just begin to worship. Just come and begin to draw near to God. Stand, kneel. Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. I'm going to ask Christians to begin to come right now. Just put your hand on the shoulder of the one that's standing here. I need a lot of ladies up here, a lot of girls up here right now. I need some godly Christian women. Just come and just stand beside them. Just, just begin to pray over them. You're going to be used by God to help get the mud off somebody's feet. Come on, just worship, Pastor. Lord, we need you. Slip your hands to heaven with me, God. We bless you, Lord, today. Come let somebody pray with you this morning. Just come as a worshiper, connecting with God this morning. I need you, Lord. More than the air I breathe, more than a Christmas present, Lord, I need you. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, standing in your presence. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Here we are, standing in your presence. Come on, worship with me. 